It's so good to see you. And this is a highlight of my year and every year for the last near decade. And before I bring the word that I believe I have uh, has a prophetic utterance, I feel like I'm on assignment for you as you cross the threshold into a new decade. There's a catalyst of change in the air of, of, of a threshold of stepping into what God has for the next decade. Don't think in years, think in decades. Because we overestimate sometimes what we can get done in a year and we underestimate what can get done in a decade. But I come today as family and I feel like I'm on assignment. There's a word that has been stirring in my heart for the last, you know, don't start my preaching time yet because I still have to prophesy, right? <laughs> but, but I feel like I'm on, um, I've got a word for the house and I'd like to present it to you um, and to pastors Mark and Nina. And for the last five days, I've been praying in the Spirit, asking God for a word. And I got the word and then it became longer. So I thought I'd better write it down. Uh, it's double-sided too. Like, look, like. And I know sometimes we can get, you know, the moment of the prophetic can just move sometimes. And then other times it marinates. It sits and it marinates. And so I'd like to prophesy over pastors Mark and Nina. And you will see that you're all part of this as well. But if, if you don't mind posturing your hearts with a prophetic uh, reception in this moment and say, God, what are you speaking to me as part of this as well? So this is for you, Pastors Mark and Nina. And I just wanna say this, I love you guys. I really do. But I also esteem and honour you. And so we can love, but sometimes we become familiar. Let's never make that which is sacred familiar. And so I read this and, and I prophesy this over you and I, this is what it would say. 10 years of the summit is the catalyst of change, expansion and new territory. Unlocking into generational blessings and promises. The vision won't change, but the perspective will shift. Stars and sand. From the summit of a mountain, you see the things you know are there, but differently. When you view things with a more macro perspective, you see regions, cities that you could not see unless you shifted your perspective and stood on the summit. The northern suburbs of Brisbane might be the emerged base of influence, but it's not emerges only place of influence. I felt the Holy Spirit say you've been faithful in and with this city. Your heart's desire wasn't just growing a church, but reaching people in this region and because you have been faithful here, I'm gonna make you fruitful there. I'm gonna give you more nations than you expect and are comfortable with. Stars and sand. This is an Abraham and Sarah season of supernatural abundance that will give you children in the nations and it will be a season of prosperity with no sorrow. It will be joy filled. You will be referred to as a father and mother, grandfather and grandmother. You will be honoured for the spiritual family you have created from your faithfulness. There will be influential leaders in nations that will call you dad and mum, not out of flattery, but out of esteem and honour. I saw a royal chalice with both your hands on it. Your hands, they were rugged, but royal, as though you had co-laboured with the king. 
This chalice was being filled to the brim with an overflow from heaven. It was a stream of blessings, promise and resources that could not be contained and it kept running over. Then there appeared many different looking cups around it and the overflow was flowing into those cups, but the hands that were holding it were from many different nations and different colours of people representing different people groups. You're creating a royal lineage of sons and daughters, giving them a calling and inheritance, not a line of employees, slaves and orphans trying to make careers. So I believe in that, that in the next 10 years, Emerge will expand its already deep well in global and missionary reach. A church of kingdom influence for the least of these and funding will come from the sacred and the secular. Emerge Church, now I want you to catch this, is that there are people here going, I've been coming for a little while and I wanna know, should I be planted here? Is this is where my roots will go deep. Some of you by the end of this word will say, now that's, that's what I've been waiting for. I want you to catch this. Emerge Church will be known for its international congregation. Every tongue and every nation, a glimpse of heaven on earth, bringing kingdom unity in the midst of diversity. You will be known in this nation as a church for the nations and your congregation will represent that. It may look messy, but it will be meaningful. Would you stand up to your feet? No, you guys sit down for a minute. You stand up if that's okay. And we're gonna stretch out our hands towards Pastor Mark and Nina. We wanna bless you and honour you. Because I believe this, in the coming years, you will be sought after to host community events that connect you to the nations. I saw translation equipment and media and teaching resources translated into multiple languages. This will create a platform and evangelical opportunity for bilingual leaders. So if you can speak two, three languages in this church, you're gonna be in, in, entering your sweet spot in the next coming years. For bilingual leaders to reach their communities and bring them to Christ through this church. In the next 10 years, you will be spiritually and strategically positioned to release kingdom ambassadors to 10 significant nations. They are coming here and you are going there. You have been faithful and, and will remain fruitful. This is a trusted home that multiplies the DNA of Jesus. And now this is a season of filling the earth. So look to the stars and see the sand and receive the providence of the Lord. Come on, can we give Jesus a shout? Lord, right now we thank You. Come on. We thank You, Lord Jesus. We bless pastors Mark and Nina. We thank You for their faithfulness, for the sacrifices that they have made that no one else has seen. This is a year of exceeding abundance. This is a decade of destiny and release. And for all of Emerge Church, for all of Redcliffe, for all, everyone that calls Emerge Church home, may the nations be your inheritance. In Jesus' Name we pray, Amen and Amen. You can take your seats. Like I said, I felt this is a compelling decade moving forward. The nations are yours and they're coming to you. So if you're a young adult here, if you're an older adult here, and you believe you are called for something significant in the kingdom, plant yourself, put your roots deep because what God can do in the next decade will go far beyond your own natural expectation. I love this house, it's part of my family. 
And as we land summit, as I have for the last, like I said, eight, nine years, I wanna present a thought to you that I believe will bless your life in the kingdom and what you do in the life of the church, but also in your sacred calling, whatever that, that, that may be. And before I do that, thank you very much, worship team. You're absolutely brilliant, thank you. I could have just kept them up there. I just was enjoying myself. And Redcliffe, those that are watching, thank you so much for being on the journey with me. I love you as well. And you're such a, such a vibrant community. And we're gonna be speaking to your region as well. We're gonna be speaking to where God has called you. And so as we come into a summit that talks about building, I thought it would only be, uh, it would only be wise of me to bring a thought to you that would allow you to build according to God's pattern. And I know Pastor Danny uses that word all the time, his biblical pattern, God pattern. And if you look in the Scriptures, what you realise is, is that humans like to build things in a particular way. And sometimes that's not always in the way God likes to build things. God likes to build things in ways that sometimes make us uncomfortable. Very often we build things in our own strength and effort and then say, God, will you bless it? When actually biblical pattern is God builds something and we step into it in agreement and alignment because it's already blessed. And so today, here and at Redcliffe, we're gonna talk about the God that doesn't fit. The God that doesn't fit all your plans and thoughts because His way is sometimes more creative than ours. But before I do that, I just thought I'd have to show you some of the things and the ways people build. Now, I've got a great clicker here and it's gonna work because technology is amazing. I didn't turn it on. This is on me. Here we go. You ready? Yes. See, human error. Imagine if I was God and I couldn't even turn something on. This is why I need the Lord. But this is what happens when people build stuff. Well, you've got to ask yourself, at which point did the guy building that last window go, yeah, that'll do. I mean, I hate to say it, but she'll be right. And what is that door? I mean, I'm sure there's organisations and maybe even some churches that go, hey, we've got an open door for you. <laughs> the Lord is opening some doors. What about, what about this one? Like, like somebody surely lost their job over that. And then, of course, the no privacy in the bathroom kind of efficiency of time kind of thing is we can just have a staff meeting. <laughs> so let's just think about this for a moment. Someone got a blueprint. Someone got a plan. Went to the site. Saw the, saw, saw the railway lines there. Thought to themselves... Ah, it doesn't matter. It's on the plan. I'll pour the concrete anyway. <laughs> Have you ever been in life somewhere and you've gone, well, it's on the plan. 
it's in my tick boxes of what it means to be good and, you know, I've got, I've got a formula that's here. It makes no sense to what I'm seeing God do in this season. I'll pour it anyway. And that's for a back to the future car. I don't even understand. And this. Some of our callings feel like that. So God, I'm on a staircase, I'm moving, but I don't know where I'm going. Because every now and then, the right thing with the wrong blueprint is a frustrating journey. Like they built stairs. They were told, build stairs. All right, I'll build stairs. To where? It doesn't matter, just build stairs. Pour concrete. On what? On railway lines. It doesn't matter, just pour the concrete. Because it's the right, you know, have you ever read a book that, that was written from someone else's experience with God, try to m- model it, and it never worked for you? Now, it's not saying that prayer is wrong, right? If you're reading a book on prayer. But how, what if God connects with you in a different way to the author? Pray, fast, seek God, listen to the Holy Spirit. But what if he does that to you while you're walking on the beach instead of hiding in a closet somewhere praying? It's all different. And this is one of the things is the right thing with the wrong blueprint gives you this idea that, that I'm stuck and I don't know what to do next because I'm working according to the formula I've been given but nothing's actually being built. Picasso said this. Back here. Learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. Each one of us has this creative ability to connect with God, to build a life with Him, and it'll be unique. So let's just take some of the blueprints that we superimposed on ourselves off and see how God likes to build. And so we come to the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11. This is the first time now, obviously pre this, humanity was building, you know, some altars to the Lord, Cain and Abel built altars. So they built altars, but this is the first time in history where humanity as a collective said, you know what, let's build something. Let's build something. So this is how the story goes. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward. Now, I want you to just remember that. Anytime east or eastward in the Bible is a euphemism for moving away from God. They went east of Eden. Jonah went east. They went, everyone runs east when they're trying to get away from God. So they, they had unity moving away from God, right? So they were moving away. They found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. It's the first time they're building something and they come up with a, let's do something that God didn't design, but we made, Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, the King James says, lest we. Otherwise is, hey, we got a plan B. 
You ever had a call of God on your life, but you have an otherwise sitting in your back pocket? Like God's called me to this. God's called me to that. But if that doesn't, lest we have to do, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, the people were building. Notice when they say this, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower. That sounds a lot like Genesis when God says, let us make man in our image. So they're taking that which is divine and attempting to do it with their own hands. Come, let us. Let's, let's do something together, but we have power because it's just us. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Now God says this, come let us go down. The whole Trinity went down to deal with this. It's not like I'll just send one of you. It's no, we're all going down to deal with the way they're building. Down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel because, that's, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. When you read this story, you almost think God could be quite petty and mean. It's like they were just building a tower and then he confuses all of them, but isn't the God the God of clarity? And I run a whole organization based on clarity. And I look at this and he goes, and, and God brought confusion that had to lead them to his clarity. Because sometimes when we think we're clear in our own right, God goes, oh, I'm gonna have to confuse them. So he confuses them and scatters them over the whole earth. And you kind of, you think to yourself, God, are you petty? Are you insecure? Are you, are you upset about a tower? I mean, come on. It's just a tower, Lord. But it's found in their otherwise. It's found in the lest we. It's found in what they feared to do. Lest we be scattered over the face of the whole earth. What was God's mandate in Genesis? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Fill the earth. And so their plan that, that come let us in their home, own human effort went like this. We're so intelligent that when we build, what we're really going to do is build a tower that reaches the heavens, which is a picture of if we can touch heaven without needing God, we'll do it. And when we do that, we build a tower and then we surround ourselves around the tower because we're gonna make a name for ourselves and the great outcome of all of our great building will be we won't have to do what God actually asked us to do because we'll be busy building our own tower. So let's break it down just a little bit. So they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. This is new technology. They'd never used bricks before. They got together and went, you know what's better and easier than building with these awkward, weirdly shaped stones and things that God created is if we come up with a method that makes everything fit neatly. 
Hey, like we just want bricks. You know why? Because it's more efficient. Makes things easier. We build faster. But isn't it interesting that then years later, they're in slavery making bricks for Egypt. It's a picture of almost human slavery to themselves. But it was new technology. And so they're coming up with this. And I'm not against new technology, by the way. Here's what I am against. New technology that we think replaces the creativity of God. So they're making these bricks. And every brick fits perfectly to the next, to the next, to the next. Here's the challenge with brick making. Is no one has a personality anymore. You know how sometimes, like, and I've done leadership development now for nearly 20 years. And right at the beginning, you're like, you know what? I'm going to build this team and everything's going to fit. And, and you take some edges off. Look, everybody's got quirks. Some of y'all just need to get your petrol price on a round number. <laughs> or the TV remote volume on an even or divisible of five. Right, it can't be 13 people. It has to be 14, 12, or 10, or 15. Like there, no, I, I mean, I'm, this, I'm not kidding. Some of you, when you merge over in traffic, you try not to hit the little lights in the middle. Quirks. Some of you all just have a funny laugh. I do. I cackle. If you, sit, if you listen to me in any church live stream, you hear me. People go, oh, I know Andrew was at church today. We have our quirks. We, have, so I'm, uh, we can't just take the edge off everything. Otherwise, we become bricks instead of stones. And even when you're parenting, like even before you have kids, I remember this because Alison had like read every book known to men on parenting. We were the parents that when we saw, I mean pre-parents, that when we saw parents in shopping malls and their kids are on those little expensive things that go round and round and round or they're hassling and they're crying. We looked at each other with such pride in our hearts and we'd go, we're not going to do that. <laughs> or there'd be children eating McDonald's and you go, oh, no, no, we're going to be like organic and, and you know, we're going to make our food and everything. And, and, and then our kids aren't going to be like that. And then, and then you have kids. And you buy balloon animals for $15 just to shut them up. Doesn't even look like a giraffe, but please be quiet while I'm buying woolies. See, when God creates, he doesn't make bricks. He makes stones. No pun intended. He really does. When you think you're going to have a brick child, oh Lord, one that just fits so neatly into your world, your schedule, you're just going to sleep like a dream. You're going to get up feeling better than what you went down. No, I mean, really, he gives you a kid with a personality that messes with you. Because when God creates, he doesn't create according to your pattern. <laughs> he creates according to his. And therefore, when you say, God, I want a brick life, and you might not say that out loud because none of us want to pray that. 
But in our hearts, we say, God, can you just make my life just fit like, you know, like this? And then another brick, and then fits like that. And, and then God speaks through a church or through a service or a prayer meeting or Pastor Mark and Nina speak over your life or someone. And you're like, well, nah, it doesn't really fit the brick. I've got to pray about it. I've got to pray about it. And actually, what's he really doing? He's saying, I don't want your life built with bricks. This is what God says to Job. And God's being sarcastic. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined it? I mean, Job's going through a tough time in life. And God goes, a bit of sarcasm will help. <laughs> Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. You're complaining. Surely you were there. Or who stretched the line upon it? Watch this. To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? All of creation and all of the universe is anchored to a cornerstone, not a corner brick. Which when we then realize is Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected has now become the chief cornerstone, speaking of himself. So all of creation is connected to Jesus, the chief cornerstone, not corner brick. So can you imagine building the Tower of Babel? You're on the work crew. Somebody goes and has this crazy idea, leaves the work site, goes and gets this big rock. It's beautiful. It's got colours. It's got edges. It's got personality. It's a piece of God's creation carries it with all his strength, walks back to the work site and says, guys, we've got to make this work somewhere. Look at it. It's stunning. It's beautiful. Look at the edges, the creativity of God on it. What would the foreman say? Doesn't fit. We can't build with it. Because it, it, it doesn't. It's not. It doesn't work. And every now and then, Jesus comes in as the cornerstone in our life. And we've got to make a decision whether we continue to build with bricks or we actually allow the cornerstone to be the anchor of our whole existence. Because his creativity, his mess, his uniqueness is actually what holds the whole universe together. There is no human being, no church, no organization that is kingdom-centered, that is a carbon copy of anything else. Emerge Church, you have a biblical blueprint only for you. And it's anchored to a cornerstone, not a corner brick. Not let's read the latest church growth book and let's just do it. No, seek the Lord, seek His way, seek His will, seek His unique prophetic voice for this house. Principles come after the person and strategies come after the spirit. Don't get the orders mixed up because you're built on a cornerstone, not a brick. So here's the question, is, is our life built with bricks or stones, self-effort or God? And it says that they had to bake them thoroughly, which meant they tested what they made themselves, not God. Have you built something and not had God test it, but tested it yourself? It's like reading a Snickers bar going, nah, I don't think the calories are that bad. 
But that's a self-test. <laughs> what is When God holds his standard of creativity, it's not our self-effort. We're just recipients of his creativity. So next thing that happens is, well, Erwin McManus says this, our faith is not a manuscript of conformity, but rather a manifesto of creativity. Then it goes on and says, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. This is dangerous because they're building something not to honor God, but to make a name for themselves. You guys know Pastor Jenny Gilpin? Well, Pastor Jenny Gilpin and I, we, she works with our organization when we, when we work with not-for-profits and she's become one of our high-level consultants and advisors that when we work with not-for-profits because of her background, she comes in in our team and we work together. And one day we were at a staff meeting and she said this in our staff meeting, she went, we won't have to market if we're marked. Now, please understand, I understand business and social media and flyers. I get all of it. So I'm not saying this is a personal revelation. So this is not some, hey, you're not allowed to be on social media anymore. This is more of a why are you there? It's why. Why? And can I ask this question? Why do you take a selfie with that particular person? Like, is it to celebrate the relationship? Or is it to leverage the relationship so that someone you really want to impress sees it? It goes quiet when I say that. But, but the fact is, is that I've, I've had to learn in my own self-reflection is why? Why do we market this or market that? Like, is it to bring life and joy to the people around? Like, am I marketing something that brings life to the world? Or am I actually just trying to build something for myself? And so I'm not against marketing, I'm not against business, I'm not against growth and all of that. Like, amen to it. If it's for the glory of God. God wants to bless you. God wants to build something for your life, but he does it, not you. And I remember multiple times, there are things that I wish I could say or do, but I've signed NDAs not to do it. And so I'm like, Lord, please don't let this one have an NDA because if I say that I was working with this organisation, I could grow it this way and that way. I feel like sometimes God just, just messes with me. He says, no, I brought the increase. Don't you market my favour. No, I bring the increase. I open that door. So now you're going to leverage me and tell everybody how good you are? No way. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to do it. Uh, but this is what humanity, and, and again, we're all on the journey of growth. And so this is a personal reflection moment for me, going, when we, when we build, are we building a name for ourselves? Are we building a monument or are we creating a masterpiece? See, when I build a monument, I want everyone to say, I'm impressive. But when I create a masterpiece, when people look at it, they see how good God is. So they make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. In Genesis 12, so we've got Genesis 11, where a group of people go, we, we're going to build a tower and we're going to make a name for ourselves. Yet in Genesis 12, this is what God says to Abraham. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. 
and you shall be a blessing. So in Genesis 11, you've got humanity going, we'll make our name great. In Genesis 12, God says to Abraham, who's the father of faith, I'll make your name great. But notice the difference. When we make a name for ourselves, we end up building a tower. When God makes a name for us, we build nations. So there are times and moments where it's like, oh, Lord, please, just let the tower be. Just let me build the tower. And he goes, yeah, but you'll only ever have a tower then. Or do you want nations? Because when God makes our name great, we inherit nations. When we make our name great, we just build towers. That's not even in God's blueprint. See, their own clarity led them to confusion, but God's confusion led them to clarity. God's blueprint leads us to choosing an unpredictable freedom over a predictable slavery. So often, we settle for slavery if we can predict it and control it and brick it. But what if God today is saying, are you ready for an adventure? Are you ready to see nations come? Are you ready to see the fullness of the call of God on your life? Be totally creative. Not bricks, but creativity of God. The uniqueness. So in the end, we have this, this, this time in Genesis where they say this. God comes down. And here's what I love about it, is that he says, let us, like all of the Trinity came down. He says, and I'm going to mess with their language so they can't understand each other. And then they're going to have to fill the earth. I would like to be in agreement with God's mandate rather than him have to force me to do it. Because he will get it done. So he comes down. But notice the kindness of God. See, if they had to build a tower, I'm gonna wrap up in a minute, but, but if they had to build a tower, I want you to think about it this way. They didn't have like cat machinery and lots of ex- excavators and things like that. In order for them to build a tower to reach the heavens, they had to have a really wide base and then it would have to thin out at the top which meant it looked really good from the bottom that it would include everybody. But the closer you get to the top, less and less people in their mind would be able to see God. When we build human structures, we make it look really inclusive from the bottom. But actually by the, by the end, We've excluded people from seeing God. And so instead of God sending lightning bolts, he says, let me come down and see what they're building. He didn't didn't curse the tower, curse the people. He didn't throw light. He He didn't do any of that. He came down. Why? Because the tower in and of itself wasn't evil. It was just inferior. It was inferior to 
to God's design for humanity. That's why it's so easy to settle at a tower because it's not necessarily evil. It's just not God's best. And so he comes down, he messes with them and sends them out. And every now and then we've got to realize this, that when we are confused, I'll be the first to say, you need clarity on your life. Amen. That's my thing. But when God is in the confusion, it's not like the devil hiding behind the curtain. He's causing all this confusion. Sometimes you're in a season of confusion or questions, not because God's angry with you or because he's, you're, you're confused because the enemy's trying to get you. You're actually confused because he wants you to leave a tower. He, you're confused because he's like, there's something better for you in the fullness of the mandate that I've asked to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And now I need you to leave the tower that makes your name great and become a nation, and then I will make you great. So my final reflections of this is, can we identify any towers that we have built that help us feel safe but stop us from fulfilling our divine mandate? Built with bricks. We're all just safe. Everything's controllable. It's a great test. In your weekly schedule or monthly goals, ask yourself, can I actually control every single piece of my schedule? Or have I left room for God's creativity? Like we have prayer meetings and miracle meetings because God moves in, the, in His Holy Spirit resurrection power, can heal people still today. But do we build bricks in our own thinking that says, oh no, that's, that's for someone else to pray for, that's not me. Or maybe God does want you to pray for the person you've been hoping someone else prayed for. So if you have confusion in your life, is there a tower God wants you to walk away from? So I'm gonna ask you this, Red Cliff, together as a church, is, is, are there areas of our life as we step into the next decade? You've done Summit for 10 years. This is a catalyst and a threshold to step over. What could we let go of and say, God, I don't want that tower in my life anymore? It could be a relationship. It could be a business model. It could be a product. It could even be a ministry that you say, I've built this, it's made my name great, but actually I wanna see the nations touched. I don't wanna just build a tower. I wanna say yes to the adventure, to be fruitful, to multiply and fill the earth. Would you stand up to your feet? I'm in the journey with you because I'm in covenant relationship with Pastor Nina and Mark and this church. All your locations that you'll have and all the nations that you'll touch. So this for me is a connected word. I don't come today as a guest, but I come as family saying, what are the things that we can say, God, we don't wanna settle for less. 
We don't want to settle for our own limitations. We don't want to play it safe and only build a tower that looks impressive, but never fulfills the divine mandate over our lives. Would you close your eyes and let me pray for you? Father, right now we come before you with humility, with an open heart and room to get rid of the bricks in our life. Lord, we pray right now, open our eyes, open our hearts to a new perspective because Father, You don't fit in our plans. Rather, we are called to fit into Yours. For every person here and every person in Redcliffe right now, I pray that You would bring divine chaos and creativity that will lead us to clarity so that we never settle for less. We never settle for something inferior of what you've designed for us. We say yes to the adventure. We say yes to the nations. We say yes to the regions we are called to because God, we are walking away from the towers that we think look good, but serve no kingdom purpose. Because God, it's about your name, not our name. It's about your providence, not our purpose. And so Lord, we just pray that in this next decade, there will be exponential filling of the earth. And we say yes and amen. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you all real good. I love you very much.